You're listening to Just Women on Brooklyn's Radio. You can join in by emailing any comments or questions you may have to justwomen at brooklynsradio.co.uk or check us out on Facebook. Search for Just Women at Brooklyn's Radio. Just Women is just what you need. Hello and welcome to Just Women, the weekly talk show on Brooklyn's Radio with me, Jackie Mitchell, when we spend an hour talking to interesting women about subjects surrounding their work, lives, children as well as their amazing experiences. Later on in the programme, I'll be chatting to Sue Towner, promotional poetry writer and business agony aunt at Your Listening Ear, and Lisette Ormsby from Savon du Soleil. But to start with, I'd like to welcome our first guest to the show, Dorothy Watson, CEO from the Sunnybank Trust charity. Hello there, Dorothy. Hello, Jackie. Thanks very much for joining us and welcome to the Just Women show. So before we talk about the Sunnybank Trust and what it does, it would be very interesting to find out a bit about your background and how you became involved with the charity. Okay, so um, I had a very interesting way of joining the charity. Um, I had two young children and um, about 11 and a half, 12 years ago, I had had a little bit of time away from work and I was looking at a way back into working and I spotted a little advert that said they wanted an activity coordinator for a club and I went along to the club and I walked in it was a church uh, based um, venue in Epsom and I walked into this room full of um, adults with learning disabilities and they were having a cup of tea and they were doing jigsaws and they were just chatting and I had the most extraordinary sensation that I had come home and it was it was a very um a very kind of key moment for me and um I joined the charity uh overseeing the kites club which was our weekly face-to-face club and over the time that I was working there I basically moved away from just doing jigsaws and cups of tea and we got live bands in we developed a craft area we developed a cafe uh, we developed um, the opportunity for our own guys to develop their own kind of kites club committee so that our members were telling us what they wanted and um, I haven't looked backwards really Jackie Um, for me this is yeah been the most extraordinary um, period of my life because um, it is working with the most extraordinary group of people who really still don't have a voice in our community. So there's a lot to do. Of course, yes. Well, that sounds very impressive. And what sort of work did you do before you joined the charity? So my uh, work before the charity was very interesting. Um, I worked for um, a series of overseas aid agencies for a while. I coordinated... um, a charitable initiative called Will Aid, and I was the chairperson there. Um, before that, I worked in marketing and uh, event management, and before that, I worked in theatre. So it's a very, very interesting <laughs> career path I've had. Yes, um, and those all those skills that you did before has felt held you in good stead for working at the Sunnybank Trust. Absolutely. I mean, what has been absolutely fascinating is that that every area of my life has um, basically every skill area is now completely relevant to, um, well, the role that I'm now in and and relevant to the community that I'm working to. 
Great. And so we should say, explain to listeners that the charity supports people with learning disabilities across North East Surrey. And uh, what I wondered is, how does it work? Are people referred to the charity? So um, the way that it works, we work with people with learning disabilities, as you've said, Jackie. Um, And for those that don't know what a, a learning disability is, it's really... Um, a reduced intellectual ability or difficulty with everyday activities. So people with learning disabilities might take longer to learn. They may need support developing new skills or understanding information or complicated information and also socialising, interacting with other people. Um, The way that we we welcome people into Sunnybank Trust would be um, a whole host of, of ways, word and mouth, through the learning disability community, people that are already using our services. We get referrals through adult social services. We have families getting in touch with us. Um, And we also work um, in great partnership with the Northeast College of Technology, NESCOT. Um, So we're working with the younger ones there. Um, And we work with care homes and care providers. So we deal with three very distinct group we deal with homes we deal with uh, families in the community and we deal with those that are socialized uh, socially isolated right apologize for the phone and um and you also um offer a lot of different schemes i noticed and there was this, this amazing video on your website showing um how these various schemes work including the pen friends and then there was another segment uh, showing the various people actually having face paintings, which was which was interesting. So um, the befriending scheme, I would imagine, might be a bit challenging at the moment during a pandemic. So how is it working? Well, um, I think to put it into context, Jackie, um, people with learning disabilities are extremely isolated. They still live very much on the margins of our community um, because obviously if they are finding it difficult to interact or understand information, that becomes very, very difficult. So our services sort of start, the journey would start with our social activities. And as you pointed out, things like our clubs when they were running the face-to-face activities, it would be really uh, ways for people to engage and enjoy themselves. Clubs, we had um, a trips out, we would have a cinema club. Um, And then behind that, to make the services much more relevant to the people we're working to, We also provide advocacy. So behind all of the kind of great fun activities, we when problems crop up. So if somebody um, suddenly finds that their benefits have been changed or they don't understand the letter that's come through about accommodation needs, then we can offer them support on that level as well. Um, Since the pandemic, obviously, we've had to change a huge amount. So. We have a huge amount of activities going on online at the moment. We have a Friday night pub group. We have a drama group that meets every week via Zoom. Um, So every day at the moment during COVID, we've had two or three activity groups happening, making sure that the members stay in touch, they're staying connected. Um, And then we know if there's a problem, so... Uh, if somebody has to go into hospital, we recently had somebody went into hospital and they were put into hospital with no personal belongings. They had no way of letting the hospital know they had a learning disability and how complex their needs were. Um, 
because we work so closely with the learning disability community uh, nurses team and the hospitals they then contact us and because we know that person we can then take get an advocate in there we can then be connecting up with the care home and saying look you've sent somebody in they have absolutely nothing in there um and as i said this particular woman um it was only because we know her through the clubs that we were able to then join the dots up and make sure that the hospital understood her needs and the care home were basically given a nudge to send you know more information and her own personal belongings in so it it sort of works at lots of levels jackie yes Both and so the social does, levels yes so how does somebody actually become a friend to one of these people so if we if you wanted to volunteer um you need to visit our website which um i can give you now is we'll do that at the end if you don't mind no not at all so i mean you basically get in touch um what we tend to do with a a a possible volunteer is to meet them we can meet them on zoom at the moment and we chat to them and the sorts of volunteers we look for are a whole range of volunteers we look for people that may want to be involved in service delivery that's helping on the zoom groups that's becoming an advocate that might be helping on the radio show which yes, we'll if i can just in jump in there um you took talking about the advocate so what is mm -hmm. an advocate and how does somebody uh, become one an advocate is a volunteer who um, basically will get to know somebody very, very well with a learning disability and they become their voice. So um, our advocates may ring at the moment, it's ringing or visit their advocate once, twice a month. They get to understand that person. Um, some of the people we work with that have advocates are very chatty and great great personalities some of the others don't chat but have very distinct things that they like and they don't like many of the people we advocate for don't have family and they don't have friends in the traditional way that, that you and I have so the role of the advocate is really really important um, and we have a team of 19 advocates citizen advocates or volunteer advocates as we call them and we have uh two staff members who oversee and support the advocacy team. So that's a very, very important part of making sure people's rights are heard and understood. Yes, um, um, but I don't quite follow what is an advocate, what does it mean? It means it's their voice. It means that they get to know that person so that when there is a meeting about that person, they can represent that person and that person's wishes. I see. So, okay, that's great. Now, can we, before we run out of time, uh, perhaps we could talk a bit about this new radio show that um, that you've launched, steered by John Andrews. Can you tell us about that, please? Yes. So the radio show was launched in a response to COVID and the fact that many of our people are isolated and they are very frightened. So we developed a radio show. It goes out twice a week on the Monday and the Thursdays at 11 o'clock. It's via Surrey Hills Radio and it's specifically for people with a learning disability. It talks about the new changes that and the new the new rulings around COVID. It gives out shout outs. It's a bit of uh, community so that people hear familiar names and familiar voices. Um, and it's also a lot about good music and having a bit of fun. So it's it sort of it's three things, information, 
entertainment and that sense of being part of a family, part of a community, which at this time I think is really important. So John Andrews presents the show and do anybody, uh, do any of your clients actually appear on it? Yes, they do. John Andrews is amazing because he is very, very keen on making it an inclusive radio show. So um, we have he's always up for interviewing people on Zoom, getting their voices onto the show, getting their requests. Um, We've got a couple of the guys, a couple of our members for learning disabilities behind the scenes, developing quizzes, looking at song choices. So it's a very inclusive show and process and how is it helping your clients um the way that it's helping is it's uh what we're hearing back is it makes people feel like they're not on their own it makes people feel that they've got something to get up to they enjoy the music it's making them feel more engaged um we had a lovely story about somebody who doesn't speak who is in a home and um we had a whole radio show where we kept uh putting requests out and talking to with her name and by the end of the show what came back to us from that home was that she was really smiling and she was really really engaged with the radio show so we know it's making a difference and we know it's a really good show so yeah it's it's a great great new part of uh, how we have responded to covid well, that's fantastic and so now can we find out how people can help the charity. I think they can join, volunteer and donate. What If they become a member, what does that mean? If you have a learning disability and you're feeling lonely, you are welcome to become a member. You need to visit the site www.sunnybanktrust.org. If you want to volunteer, go to the same website and you can see the different ways you can help. If you want to donate, go to the website and you can go to the donate page as well. Right. And what are the other um, volunteer posts available apart from being a friend or an advocate? Um, You can help on um, in normal times. It would be in the office. You can help with our fundraising. You can help with our IT. Um, We're a small charity, a small community charity that grew out of the local history of the old hospitals and we are always looking for new help right and what sort of online new skills um there are 10 of us that are all part-time workers right and you also mentioned earlier these online social activities Uh, can you give us some examples of the sort of things that you're offering online yes so the online activities include um we have a drama group we have a coffee and chat group We have a games group. We have a Friday night pub quiz night. Um, We have a Monday motivation group. um, And we're looking at the moment at setting up a um, what worries you chat group on Zoom as well. So there's a lot of things going online. We've also got craft activities online now, offering care homes um, the opportunity to come on board and, and do some crafts with us. So the care, um, home, the care home will then will help your clients get on Zoom because, of course, it's the technology, isn't it, that they might find difficult? Absolutely. So the care homes um, will help on that side. We do also um, have people who are living in the community on their own. And you've quite rightly pointed out, Jackie, technology for some is a real challenge. And that's something that we're still looking at and really trying to support those that do need the help to be connected to get online. 
Thank you very much. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Dorothy, for coming and telling us all about this. Perhaps you would like to repeat your website details so people can get more information. Thank you, Jackie. The website is www.sunnybanktrust.org. Right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jackie. That was Dorothy Watson from Sunnybank Trust. Our next guest will be Sue Towner, promotional poetry writer and business agony aunt, as your listening ear. You're listening to Just Women on Brooklyn's Radio. I'm so glad you're open. Thank goodness you're here. Do you ever close? Did you know the pharmacy at 20 Church Street, Weybridge, is open 100 hours every week to meet your immediate medical needs? We're here for you from 7am to 11pm weekdays, 7am to 9pm Saturdays, and 10am to 4pm on Sundays. Our friendly and knowledgeable team can provide you with the advice you need, as well as helping you with repeat prescriptions, all the -the over-the-counter products you would expect, and if you can't get in to visit us, we will deliver to you. The Pharmacy, 20 Church Street, Weybridge. We're here when you need us, 100 hours every week. Billy Tong is your Cobham-based biltong and dry vores company. You'll love our fabulous biltong with 16 flavours like wet and fatty, Mrs. Ball's chilli chutney and amazing dry vores. We also sell amazing bora vores. And why don't you try our party catering? Billy Tong is part of the Surrey Hills Initiative and we sell online and at farmers markets like Ripley, Cobham, Horsley and Cranley to name but a few. Visit our website billytong.com or call Mark on 07789-755-504. Billy Tong, it's time to give your taste buds the taste of home. Hello, my name's Sarah Chaplin, and every Thursday night I host a show called Jazz London Live at 10 o'clock until midnight, and each week I play a selection of jazz, funk, fusion and Latin. I feature an interview in the first hour of the show with somebody on the British jazz scene, a gig guide rounding up the gigs in the week to come, and in the second hour of the show there's Album of the Week, in which I play three tracks from a brand new album that's just come out, and also a long track in the second hour of the show to help you wind down uh, to bedtime on a Thursday evening it gets a bit more mellow towards the end of the show so if you love jazz you're going to love this show Jazz London Live on Brooklyn's Radio if you're not sure whether you like jazz give it a try you might find there's some tracks in there that you really love This is Just Women every Tuesday at 1 o'clock on Brooklyn's Radio I'm pleased to welcome Sue Towner promotional poetry writer at your listening ear to the show Hello there Sue Hello Jackie thanks for inviting me well, thanks for joining us and welcome to Just Women. So it's very interesting then that you're writing poetry. Uh, it would be interesting to hear a bit about your background, because I believe at one point you were analysing sausages for David Gregg's supermarket chain. <laughs> that goes back an awful long way. Um, I was forced into sciences at school, which I wasn't really interested in. And I actually left. But of course, that was the only job I could get. It put me off sausages and David Gregg's for life, I'm afraid. Yes, I'm sure uh, it must have. <laughs> I went on to, uh, I needed to change. So I very cheekily applied for the job of assistant accountant, having never been in an office, never never mind working in one. And I did get it. My maths was fairly OK. And I progressed from there through accountancy up to my own practice, which I finalised the sale of to my co-directors at the end of March last year. And uh, that's 
I'm officially retired from that, although I still do some bookkeeping for them. And I'm trying other things. Well, good for you. So have you always written poetry? No, I haven't, actually. I started doing networking meetings on behalf of the practice and I got a bit bored in the early days of those sort of networking meetings. People would just stand up and say, I do this. I want this sort of client. And it became rather repetitious. So I thought I need to do something different. So I started doing my presentations in rhyme and it's just gone mad from there. Now, every time I go to anything, I'm expected to have a poem. But uh, touch wood most of the time they just seem to flow. How fantastic and how do you get your inspiration? Uh, I think if I'm writing for other people I look at their website and I've obviously met them and chatted to them and it just seems to come from that. When I'm writing for someone else I always ask them to approve it or if they want alterations or amendments they can tell me that and uh, I'll tailor it to suit them. And how does it take long? How how long does it take you on average to write a poem? Sometimes it can be a few minutes. Sometimes I keep coming back to it over a day or two. But uh, most of the ones that I do just really luckily take a short time. That's marvellous. And of course, you don't just do promotional poetry for companies. You also write for special occasions such as birthdays. And I would imagine you're quite busy at the moment because, of course, we can't celebrate in person. Well, I had to write an emergency poem yesterday afternoon. I must admit, I totally forgot today is our wedding anniversary. Oh, so congratulations. I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't got a card, so I had to write a special poem instead. But luckily, my husband had also forgotten it was our anniversary, so I don't feel so bad about it. And did he like the poem you wrote? He did. It was a bit sloppy, but uh, good for a giggle. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. So I understand that you brought a poem with you today. Could you could you read it to us? Yes, certainly. Um, It's for Brooklyn's Radio. Thank you, Brooklyn's Radio, for inviting me here today. It's rather an exciting experience, I really have to say. Although I'm here to talk today, listening is my aim. I am your business agony aunt, business worries I'm out to tame. I'm embracing the new technology. I've now uploaded Zoom so we can get together, though not in the same room. Lockdown's brought some problems, isolation and loneliness. Being able to talk to someone can help relieve the stress. But listening to the wireless can certainly help you relax. So stay with Brooklyn's radio to get all the important facts. Well, that's wonderful, Sue. Thank you so much. We'll have to put that up on our Facebook page. That sounds wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. That's really great. Very memorable, that. And of course, you've also got a book of poetry out, haven't you? Yeah, there are some daft ones that I just put together. My husband does a bit of desktop publishing, so he printed it for me. And uh, there's about 100 poems in there of varying lengths. I think there's one serious one and all the rest are daft. Oh, well, that sounds good. It sounds just the sort of thing we need it right now. And how can people get a copy? Uh, the details are actually on my website. Which okay, is well, well, don't worry. We'll do that a bit at the end of the programme. Lovely. Yeah, yeah and I'm, it's also on LinkedIn. Okay, that's great. And um, but you say to people, give me a subject and I'll write you a poem. Yeah, I can do that. I just need that subject to get me started. Wow, that's, that's quite a talent. Um, any memorable ones that you want to tell us about? I think one that I found quite uh, moving to do was one on behalf of three small boys for to be read out at their granddad's funeral. 
And it was remembering all the fun times that they'd had together and silly things that they got up to together. And that was quite, took a bit of writing, but um, it was much appreciated. So I was quite happy with that in the end. Oh, I bet you were. I bet that went down extremely well. How wonderful. Yes. And what sort of prices are we talking about for the poems? Uh, Usually just £10. Oh, right. That's very reasonable then. So now you're not only a promotional poetry writer, but you're also a business agony aunt. You're listening here. So what sort of problems are you sorting out at the moment? I think mostly it's people who who are not really used to working from home and are now trying to or starting new businesses. When you're working from home at first, it can get quite lonely and you can get into a mild panic attack. You need somebody to talk to who understands business but isn't attached to your business or family. So it's just acting as a sounding board. So there's been a few things, somebody trying to make decisions over how to spend their pension fund and just general work related or people who just need someone to talk to. Right. And uh, how can people get in touch with you? Well, obviously via the website and presumably you do the consultations by phone or by Zoom. Yeah, I'm using Zoom now if I can. Uh, Now I've learned how to set it up. And I think it's wonderful. Such technology. I know. It's incredible, isn't it? Really? (laughs) I love it with networking meetings because I can actually hear people. Uh, Yes, and also you don't have to travel to to the, the venue, do you? No, that's actually something I miss going out and jumping on the bus. I haven't done that since February. So, but yes. uh, no, I mean, I think my email address is on my LinkedIn and on the website. So I can be emailed or telephoned and we can just make an make an appointment. OK. And then, of course, you, you're also you're a very busy lady because you're also a volunteer business advisor with Young Enterprise. Mm, that's such a worthwhile thing. And I'm also signed up for something called Beyond Barriers, which is with Kingston University, where you mentor one to one. And I met the most lovely teenager the first time I did it. We stayed. We're still in contact. And actually today or Monday, I should be put in contact with this year's mentee. And you just share experiences. And it's, again, it's listening to them. A lot of it is a lack of self-confidence with some of these younger people and talking to someone can help straighten that out. And it really is rewarding. And apart from the problems obviously affecting everyone with COVID-19, what are the other most common problems that businesses come to you with? I think it's it's they uh, just got in a muddle. They don't know how to prioritise, how to sort out what should be their next move, should they change, or actually admitting that what they're trying isn't working. Um, I think one of the poems I did, the best two lines I wrote was, uh, it's never a failure, keep your nerve, it's just a blip on your learning curve. And it's trying to instil a bit of self-confidence. Yes, I, th- I love that rhyme, that's really great. <laughs> And then, of course, you're also on the committee of the Chessington and District Residents Association. How on earth do you manage to fit all this in? Well, at the moment, we're not having physical meetings. So there's lots of emails going backwards and forwards. That's sort of keeping an eye on what's happening in the area. And uh, if there's something going on, we try and publicise it, like developments that we're not happy with or changes to the local playgrounds that we are happy with. So it's it's I'm also on the. Uh, committee of the chamber of commerce and i'm involved with the local conservative association so life is quite busy still 
Yes. Do you have any tips for time management? I think do things that you enjoy. Uh, If there's something you've got to do that you don't enjoy, get that done first. So it's usually housework first thing for me. Of course. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, I can. I can relate to that. And then then you're also interested in vintage motorcycles. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I've had a a motorcycle license since I was 18. So that's going back quite a long way. And my husband is very keen on motorcycles. He's down in his workshop at the moment trying to finish something for somebody. We're involved with amateur grass track racing, though there's been none this, this year. But we're hoping to put on one of the national events next year, which will be uh, at Leamington. That takes a bit of organising, but the bikes are fun. Being involved with different motorcycle clubs with the vintage bikes has taken us all around the world. We've been to Australia and New Zealand when Stuart, my husband, was invited to race somebody else's bike. We've even been to uh, Newfoundland to do that as well. So it's been it's been an experience. The bikes have given us a really interesting hobby. Yes. And do you both ride the bikes? I'm giving up uh, at the moment. I haven't ridden for a little while. The arthritis is getting too bad in my hands, to be honest. They've got wet too often out on the bike. But we do still use the bikes. Most of them are off road machines. So at the moment, uh, there's not been the opportunity. But what we we do, we've got a touring caravan. And if we tow that with the van, we're going to put a bike in the back so that we can take off and do the shopping on that. So looking that forward to wonderful. next year. Yeah, I bet you are. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. So getting back then to the poetry, uh, for any of our listeners out there who really fancies themselves as a poetry writer, do you have any tips on how they can get started? I think just sit there, um, wait for inspiration, write something, and perhaps put it up on LinkedIn or one of the social media uh, systems and see what reaction you get there's so many people are calling themselves poets some actually make a living at it but um, do it for fun at first and just see the reaction that you get I mean mine are more like the Pam Ayres type of poems if everybody remembers Pam Ayres Uh, they're light-hearted but write to fit your mood Uh, just give it a go well that's a very brave thing to actually put your work out there on LinkedIn or something I think that's the only way that you really get noticed and see if you do get feedback. And if people don't like it, find out why and see what you can do to change it. Mine are all meant to give you a smile. And I think with that, using it uh, for presentations, if you can make your audience laugh, you've got their attention. Yes, that's always, that's always a good thing, isn't it? As you say, at the network meetings, that must really bring a smile to people's faces when you get when you actually say a poem to them. Yes. Yeah, it's fun. Yes. And do you have any uh, favourite poets yourself? I think I always enjoyed Pam Ayres. Um, I always remember her one, The Dolly on the Dust Cart. And it was things like that. Other than that, I used to read a lot of the poetry that came out of the trenches. Uh, Very serious stuff. But I'll read anything. (laughs) And so have you got plans perhaps for another poetry book further along the line? Yeah, I've got, I do some and I'm keeping them. I've got about a dozen, I suppose, towards another one. But of course, I was trying to sell this one, uh, going to meetings. And with that stopped, it's sort of dried up a bit. But uh, I'll probably put another one together. 
Okay. And what's your writing routine like? Do you write poetry every single day? Um, not really. If I suddenly get an idea, I've always got the notebook handy and I'll start one then. But normally it's to a deadline, like I've got networking meeting coming up or like today's meeting. There was a deadline for that. And it actually got finished at about half past 10 this morning. So, oh, my goodness. Well done you. So you find you're one of those writers that needs to have a deadline to get the work done. I think with all work, I've got a bit lazy since I've retired from the practice where we had set deadlines for each uh, batch of work to be completed. Unless I've got deadlines, I do get a bit lazy. So I'm trying to reorganise myself. Well, also in in lockdown and uh, during the COVID-19, it's been difficult, hasn't it, as well? Yes, I think so. I'm spending a lot of time just sitting at the computer. And unfortunately, I've got hooked on spider solitaire. So rather than clearing the emails and things like that, that I should be doing, I'm clicking away at a card game. Ah, okay, okay. And has anyone given you a subject uh, that's too difficult for you to write a poem? Have you never been flummoxed like that? Touchwood, not yet. Uh, I think the hardest one was when I was asked to do the one for the funeral. But when I started getting the information about how much fun these young lads had had with Grandpa, it flowed quite well. So that was a bit daunting to begin with, but ended up quite gratifying to finish. And do you have a particular favourite poem that you've done? No, I I can't think that I have. Um, To be honest, somebody quoted one of my poems back to me and I didn't remember it was me who had written it. (laughs) (laughs) How interesting. I I think that was one I wrote about retirement and the usual thing, if this is retirement, I'm going back to work. (laughs) But I suppose you've written so many poems now, it's hard to keep track of them all. I think I must have done it must run into the hundreds now but uh, this notebook that I've got in front of me I started uh, about a year ago and it's quite a big thick uh, notebook and I'm three quarters of the way through it so uh, another notebook is I'm in need of another notebook. Oh that sounds fantastic well thank you so much Sue for coming in and telling us all about that would you like to give us your website details please so people can get more information. Yeah, it's www.yourlisteningear.co.uk. Thank you very much, Sue. Thank you. That was Sue Towner, promotional poetry writer at Your Listening Ear. Our next guest after the break will be Lisette Ormsby from Savant du Soleil. You're listening to Just Women on Brooklyn's Radio. Sound familiar? With more people working at home and less time to worry about our posture, it's unsurprising that back and neck pain, migraines and sciatica are all on the rise. Luckily, there's somewhere that's got your back. West Chiropractic in West Byfleet prides itself on being a practice helping people from Surrey and beyond with enthusiasm, experience and expertise. With plenty of five-star reviews, it's a place you truly can trust. Book a free discovery visit now to speak with one of their expert chiropractors and find out how to move forward with a program tailored to your situation. Visit them online at westchiropractic.co.uk. There's no doubt that running a business is tough, but at the moment it's even tougher than ever. And that's where we can help. Plan C are a team of Surrey business professionals offering free advice for local businesses during these testing times. We offer solutions to your most pressing business challenges. From marketing to human resources, PR to Google ads, business strategy to website design. Post your questions 
at yourplancy.co.uk. We'll put them to the team and come back to you with our thoughts, observations, and most importantly, practical solutions. It's a free service, so why not see if we can help? www.yourplancy.co.uk. If you love film music of all kinds, then Hunter's Hollywood Hits and Britflix is the show for you. Every Thursday, escape into the exciting world of the movies with soundtracks that transport you right into the films. From special shows dedicated to legendary composers to theme shows dedicated to different genres, you can hear a mixture of classic themes as well as well-known songs that feature in films. So, all you film fans, be sure to catch Hunter's Hollywood Hits and Brit Flicks with me, Suzanne Hunter, every Thursday at 9pm, only on Brooklyn's Radio. This is Just Women, every Tuesday at 1 o'clock on Brooklyn's Radio. And here's another chance to hear my interview recorded earlier in the year with Lisette Ormsby from Savon du Soleil. Hello there, Lisette. Hello, Jackie. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us and thanks for bringing in all these wonderfully smelling French soaps. They look amazing. We'll have to get on to that in a minute. Before we do, perhaps you could like to tell us a bit about your background. What did you do before starting this business? Well, many years ago, I did have a sales and marketing background, but recently, for the last 15 years, I've been teaching. Um, So this business started completely out of the blue. Um, One of my daughters actually helped found this business what's her uh, name isabel isabel um and she played the cello still does um and the costs of the cello playing were becoming quite high with the courses that she wanted to do so i suggested that she might like to contribute a little to the household finances by earning some money somehow so she came up with the idea of selling some soap uh and i thought it would be very good for her to improve her french to have to source some soap from France, where I think the best soap is made. So that's really how we started off in a very small way. So you and she went over to Provence and you found these soaps? We found some different suppliers, yes, for the different soaps and started that way in a very small way. We just did some local fates and little school fairs and things to start off with. So did you bring the soaps back in your suitcase? No, no, no. (laughs) We have them all sent over. So now they come over in big pallets and it's a jolly good workout. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure. So you started off then selling these, these soaps from from school fates and did you, was your daughter still still involved at that oh absolutely stage? she she was involved and in fact uh, my younger daughter as well became involved as well and was a very good little salesperson for us so at times in the past we had more than one one show on at a time with the girls going selling at one and me at another but uh, they're all off doing other things now so I'm left running the business oh right and how long <laughs> have you been running it on your own then uh, a few years now um, because uh, you know they're, they're working at a university, so they help when they're home. But they did help put it online for me because I'm not terribly good with my technology. They're far better than I am. So they set up the Instagram account and that sort of thing for me to help oh, right. with the, okay. the marketing. And, and what I must ask you is, did Isabel's French improve with the visits to Provence? I think it certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> certainly did. She still speaks French now. So. Oh, good, good. But it must have been very hard to find the suppliers that produce the soaps that you liked. How did you go about that? Well, it, it, to start off with, we started looking online and our first suppliers we weren't particularly pleased with so after that we did find new suppliers in France um, with personal visits and in fact we still visit them 
uh, every year just to say hello and see what they've got that's new in stock. Sure. And build up a bit more of a personal rapport. And I would imagine your French must be pretty good too then. My French isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I still teach French as well, so part-time as well. Okay, so. and is it just you, you're, you're on your own now running the business and, only, and the daughters only help in the summer holidays? Absolutely, absolutely. So, yes, and all you, down and to you, me now. You run from home or do you have a little <laughs> No, run it all from home. So we're online. Uh, lots of online sales and gift fairs, particularly uh, from October onwards for the Christmas season. Um, the soap itself has become a lot more popular in recent years because, of course, so many people now are anti-plastic. Well done. Uh, and giving up the plastic bottles of shower gel and going back to the more traditional Yes, absolutely. And why do you think that is? Because of the plastic? Well, I think it's partly because they're more aware of the environmental issue, but also I think people are more aware now of what they're putting onto their skin and realising that a lot of the body wash is purely detergent, so if you like, an upmarket version of fairy liquid, um, and, and drying the skin out. Whereas if you use a good soap, I mean, such as the Savon de Marseille, it's made with 72% oil. So it's very, very moisturising. OK. And we must now talk about these wonderful soaps. <laughs> so first of all, they're the unwrapped ones, which are beautiful colours, lilac, green, yellow and fabulous scents. And so what are these made out of? So these soaps are natural uh, oil-based soaps with uh, organic olive oil and shea butter base. Um, they come in 46 different fragrances. 46? 46, How incredible, yes. <laughs> yes. So a very wide range. And my policy has always been to keep the selling price low so that I can sell through a lot of stock. And in that way, I can afford to stock many different scents uh, and keep them fresh at the same time. Um, yes, so does, does it have a sell-by date or anything like that? They, they recommend that they're used within a year. Obviously, no harm will come if you use an old bar of soap and I come across people who say, oh, I'm going to keep this for next year or something. <laughs> but they do tend to lose their scent over time. Right, so of course. They, they're, they're better used fresh. Okay, and then you've got some wrapped ones, haven't you? The rose soap. Yes, uh, that's another range with organic argan oil. They have to be wrapped because of the argan oil. But, it, but obviously, the wrapping on that even is far less than would be with a bottle of shower gel. Of course. Um, um, they have rather superior perfumes. They are a better range in France. They sell at a premium price in France. Um, I sell those at £2 a bar compared to one seventy-five for the 125 gram bars. And they're the unwrapped ones. They're the unwrapped yes. ones. And then you yes. also do these little miniature ones, don't you? Yes, hand I've got basins. smaller ones now. They're, they're new in. They're 60 grams. They're very suitable for, for hand basins, as you say. Yes. They've quite popular. Okay. And then uh, perhaps you'd like to talk us through this one, <laughs> which um, I understand you can even use for stains on carpets. What is the name of this one? Absolutely. Well, that is the traditional cube, 300 gram cube of Savon de Marseille. So it comes in three variants, a natural, an olive, and one with lavender oil but the natural one in particular is known in my family as the magic soap um, because, and why is that <laughs> well I'm about to tell you it really is fantastic at getting rid of stains on almost anything so if you're prone to knocking your wine over on the tablecloth or spilling something like curry on the carpet uh, it's really efficient and environmentally friendly at the same time uh, getting rid of the stains um, but it can also be used to clean makeup brushes to clean leather um, to clean jewelry 
um, as a even grated it can be used in the washing machine to wash clothes if you have a sensitive skin because it contains no perfume oils whatsoever how incredible it has no it has no fragrance does it, it because no it's completely fragrance. natural absolutely yes. absolutely and so, how much is that they're three pounds 75 and so it's quite a big chunk of soap for three pounds yes i was going to say it looks very generous <laughs> yes absolutely uh, some people do actually take a sort of warm uh, bread knife to it you can cut it into slices if you prefer but i always say that it's it's so famous despite its unwieldy shape um it's been that shape forever and in fact it's a little bit like champagne there are only certain savonniers that are allowed to make it and call it savon de marseille Right, right. And what about that one then, wrapped in the string? What, what, what's so that the story one is, behind is, that one? This one is called Savon d'Arlepo. It's Aleppo soap. This was originally made in Aleppo in Syria. Um, this is the forerunner of the Savon de Marseille, the very first soap that people are aware of ever being manufactured. Um, it's fascinating the way it's made. It's a hot process soap made purely with olive oil, laurel oil, salt and sodium hydroxide. Um, this is all heated up and spread out on the ground and left in the sun for at least nine months. Nine months? Mm, Gosh, that's harden. amazing, like a, like a wine almost. Absolutely. Um, the outside then oxidises slightly. So when you see this, this loaf here, I think you'll agree with me, Jackie, it's not particularly attractive colour. No, no. When you actually work your way to the inside, it's bright green, which is the colour of the olives. There's no colouring in, in it at all. It's purely natural. Um, once it's hardened, it's then cut with a sort of large rake. They stand on the top of it with a large rake to cut it into these loaves. And then it's hand stamped. So that, again, is a very pure soap and recommended for any skin problems such as dermatitis, eczema. Really, yeah. really, uh, that's fantastic. And any, uh, is it fragranced or no? no it's unfragranced. It's just for the only fragrance it has is from the olives. That's amazing, yeah. isn't it? So it's like an olive soap almost. Yes. Unfortunately, it's no longer being made in Syria, um, but the Syrian soap makers have moved to France. Really? Yes. And the French savonniers have taken them in under their wing because they don't want these traditional soap making methods to be lost. Um, and in fact, when I buy this soap wholesale, a contribution is made to the Save Aleppo campaign, which I think is rather nice. That is rather yeah. nice, yes. And what is the price of that one? They are £4.50. Right, mm -hmm. OK. Mm -hmm. And now moving on then uh, to this amazing uh, range of skincare products that you've got, which are used making donkey milk. Absolutely. That's very unusual. I've never heard of that before. How did you find out about that? Well, this was I found through one of my savonniers who were offering it. Um, in fact, the donkey milk is used in quite a number of French cosmetics now. Uh, the donkeys are kept on the farm in southwest France, and they only milk them for three or four months of the year, and the rest of the time they're out to pasture. They have to be hand-milked because donkeys are very sensitive. Yes, I'm sure they are, <laughs> yes. Um, the milk, actually, um, is, has the same pH as human breast milk. It's high, very high in vitamins and antioxidants um, and is naturally uh, anti-inflammatory and antihistamine. So again, very good for any skin problems, any dryness, psoriasis, eczema, dermatitis. Um, so think back to Cleopatra. She knew what she was doing. <laughs> <laughs> so we have that in a, a body milk, a hand and face cream, a face cream, um, a serum, um, and a body wash. Right, yes. oh, goodness, that's yes. amazing. And yeah. what, what do you think is so special about it compared to other brands on the market? Well, 
for me, I just love the smell of it for a start. It is very, very moisturising, but doesn't feel at all sticky. It absorbs into the skin really easily. In fact, I use the makeup and, and cleanser and find that I don't need to use a moisturiser after it because my skin actually feels soft and moisturised just from wiping the, 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 the cleanser off it. How amazing. Yeah. Well, your skin looks wonderful, I have to say. Yes. You. You're a very good advert for it. <laughs> Thank you very much. So all my family use it. Uh, I think that the scent that's used in the donkey milk is very gentle as well. It's not overpowering. So if you use the body milk, you know, it doesn't interfere with your perfume. Right, right. And then, of course, you do home fragrances, which are made from essential oils. So are they okay for for pets and plants in the home? They are. They're completely safe. Um, They're literally made from alcohol and essential oils. There are no chemicals in them whatsoever, so they're quite concentrated. I also do a lavender one, which is a pillow spray, which you can just spray onto your pillow lightly before bed and to help you sleep obviously lavender is relaxing and calming and they guarantee that won't stain your fabrics so if you like you could also put it on the edge of a curtain so okay. you get a waft as you go through that sounds lovely so people can buy these things online but Indeed. do you have any other stockists well there i do have some stockists now but unfortunately nowhere near surrey okay well, 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 well moving on <laughs> if then. you're in cornwall or oh, well. somewhere like that we've got stockists but i am online on savondusoleil.co.uk so how often do you go to france um, not as often as I'd like to, is the answer. Normally just once a year now, which is, is quite sad, but it's really other commitments that we have as well just don't allow the time. Of course. And have you actually seen these soaps being made? Yes, I have indeed. And it's quite fascinating. Uh, two of the suppliers I use are very small family businesses, and it's really wonderful to watch the, the products being made and, and to feel that you're helping another small business somewhere. Um, there is a sort of qualification in France as a master savonnier. Uh, so you have to have this qualification to be able to make the soap and sell it there. Um, and really watching them make it is, is quite an art. Yes, it must be quite, a, quite an experience, I should think, to see mm. it. So what plans have you got for the future then? Are you going to uh, diversify into other products? Any other ideas? Well, I, I would very much like to diversify into other ranges. I have already started selling what are known as futas which is the Arabic word for a towel. And these are very popular in France. There are Egyptian cotton, sort of almost like a giant tea towel, but you can use it as a, a bath towel or as a, ro- a pareo or as a throw, a tablecloth. And these have proved very popular as well because when I have them at, at the gift fairs, of course, they're very colourful, they're great quality, and people are buying them for their holidays to save them taking bulky beach towels with them. So they've been very popular. And I've just started doing them in a very small range for hand towels. They're rather nice to have in a cloakroom so that you can have a single-use towel. That sounds really good. Well, anyway, thank you very much for coming on the programme. Could you give us your website details again for people who want to get more information? Of course, Jackie. Thank you for having me. And it's Savon du Soleil. That's S-A-V-O-N-S-D-U-S-O-L-E-I-L dot co dot U-K. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. That was Lisette Ormsby from Savon du Soleil. I'd like to thank all our guests today, Dorothy Watson from the Sunnybank Trust, Sue Towner, promotional poetry writer and business agony aunt, and Lisette Ormsby from Savon du Soleil. And thank you to my producer, Graham Laycock. 
We're always keen to hear about local women with interesting lives. So if you know of anyone you think should be on our show, please email justwomen at brooklandsradio.co.uk with their contact details and we'll get in touch with them. You can see details of our previous and future guests on our website, which is brooklandsradio.co.uk forward slash justwomen. And you can also find us on Facebook under Just Women at Brooklyn's Radio. Do follow us on Twitter at Brooklyn's Radio. This show will be repeated at 8 o'clock in the evening on Thursday and the next edition of Just Women will be next Tuesday at 1 o'clock, so do listen in. So it's goodbye from me, Jackie Mitchell. You're listening to Just Women on Brooklyn's Radio. 